0: Good morning everybody. Can you all hear me okay? Oh you can. Good morning. It's good to be back. Did Andrew take care of you for two weeks? You took care of um Okay, so we are having a barbecue in case you didn't know that. It's gonna be free food. Please invite people to it and they can eat lots of free, beautifully well cooked food. If you could pop up the slide for today, that would be great. So we have been looking at the series on It's All About Who, and Andrew was looking at It's All About Me and It's All About Us, and just want to recap a little bit, um, I think Andrew listened to the podcast from last week to make sure that I was trying to get into the loop a little bit anyway. So there's a few statements that I've made repeatedly, and Andrew's made as well. The most healthy and mature Christians are those who are ministering. Jesus said to the man, pick up your mat and walk from John 5, eight, being that obviously if he didn't do that, then that he wasn't going to be healed. And we also have talked about the lie that says, I cannot minister until this part of my life is sorted. So you fill in your own blank, whatever that is that you really believe. I cannot be all that I'm supposed to be until I do that. The lie is you can't. Really, we cannot be all that we're going to be until we start to do that. The woman at the well was in no position to lead her entire community to Christ from, in a sense, like a worldly standpoint. She had had no training. Her life wasn't in a good place at all. But yet, because she'd met Jesus, she went and spoke to her community. And the majority of the community came out and met him and said that they had met the, the Savior of the world. So our wholeness is received in pursuit of Jesus Christ, not in pursuit of our wholeness. Matthew 6.33, but seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you. And then Matthew 16.25, Jesus said that for whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever will lose their life for his sake will save it. And we know that we can lose our lives for lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of different things. But Jesus said that when we lose it for him, then we'll really, really find it. So this morning I want to talk about It's All About Church. So I don't know what your experience of church has been before this experience. But whenever I was growing up, uh, I was uh, part of a church, and it was always what we did. And I remember being about eight or nine years old and scribbling into my hymn book, Church is Boring, and pointing to mum like, it is, it is totally, totally boring. And she would go, that's right, shut up. I remember playing with her hands for something to do. I remember there being a sermon about how really if... 1% 1% gave 2% more than we would have all this more money. Isn't it funny that that's the one that I remember? But it just had no real life to it. It just seemed kind of gray. It seemed kind of uh, formalized and rigid. And, rah, 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 rah. and then you all know the story. Uh, I was in a pretty bad place in my life. I was about 18 or 19, driving along the M5. Car fills up with love. And I realized that this God that I thought I knew really wasn't like the God that was now... Uh, filling up the car with love, um, it, just, it just wasn't, it didn't marry up and it didn't match. So what we want to talk about, not that we're saying this is bad and this is great, we want to talk about the church as it should be and can be and we're seeing glimmers of that and what it can be and uh, the vision that, that God has for his church. So what do I mean when I say the church? Well, the church is the living body of Jesus Christ in the earth of which he is the head. The head provides leadership and governs the rest of the body. It is alive, it's dynamic, it's moving, it's active, it's growing, it's influencing, and it's caring. So obviously we're going to talk about this a little bit, but Jesus describes it as the body, his body. So you think about your own body. Well, it can either just sort of sloth around on the sofa and watch TV or it can be up and active and disciplined and doing things and engaging and relating and sharing and teaching and uh, bringing about all sorts of wonderful things. So in January or February of this year, isn't that amazing that that's nearly six months ago? We looked at uh, four aspects of the church, one being it's a house for community, the second being that that it's a hospital for healing. For those of you who have been with us, can I ask, have you found any healing here? There's this incredible dynamic that actually you could invite somebody into a community of faith where God is obviously present, and in the presence of the community, and in the presence of those relationships, if they stick and they stay, there will be healing. It's just the way it's going to be. So it's a, ho- it's a house for community, hospital for healing, an army an army for benevolence, basically bringing God's goodness to the earth. And it's a school for learning. The church is where the presence of the Spirit of God rests intensely among his people in unity as they seek heart after him. God really, 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 really loves unity. Psalm 133, you can follow this with me if you've got it. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It is as if the dew of Mount Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord commands his blessing, even life forevermore. Remember when we were talking about Jesus is the word? that when in creation God spoke it wasn't as if there was an option that it might not happen when he speaks it happens so when we dwell together in unity God commands a blessing so we want to be in a place like that don't we We've all been in a place where there is disunity, where there's difficulty in relationship, where there's not quite a oneness or connection. It's just not a pleasant place to be. Jesus also prayed in John seventeen twenty to 23. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you've sent me. I have given them the glory that you give me, that they may be one as we are one, and I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. So God has got the highest value on unity, particularly in marriage, particularly in church. What do you see in a lot of churches? What happens? Splits, fractures, difficulties. I want to uh, bear testimony that when we left First Presbyterian and Hinch, we left blessed and released. No difficulty, no disunity, no fracture, no uh, relational disease going on. We are clean. This church plant is not birthed out of disunity. It's really important that you know that. The enemy is after destruction. He's after ripping things apart. John ten ten a he wants to kill, steal, and destroy. And he's about that in all relationships, particularly in the relationship in the local church. So we need to be aware of that. The Trinity models perfect oneness and unity, and the enemy absolutely wants to seek and destroy that. So why do we, when it comes to communion, when it says about if you remember that you've got difficulty with your brother or your sister... Get it sorted now, because if you don't get it sorted, some of you have fallen fallen asleep, i.e. are dead, or some of you are sick. We have got the highest value here about good relationships. That's why when it comes to communion, we give opportunity for okay, that awkward bit where we all go, oh, where if, if you've got difficulty with somebody here then please take opportunity and go and do that now and hopefully as we get a value for unity and oneness and protecting that we actually are willing to pay the price of the difficulty and the awkwardness of getting up and dealing with the, the difficulty and what do you find after you deal with the difficulty in a relationship it reaches a altogether new level forming storming norming performing Continually going through that process, so as we learn to deal with the difficulties as they come up, we 'll find even greater unity okay it 's in the presence of the Holy Spirit that it 's the presence of the Holy Spirit that created and sustains the church. so basically, if we don 't have God with us, if we don't have the Holy Spirit among us, then basically we 've just got a bunch of people that meet together on a sunny morning and we sing songs and we pray for each other and it's all very nice. What are we calling people to if it's just really a social club? We are calling people to him. We are calling people to him with our experience of him and what we know of him. So it's the Holy Spirit that sustains and he's the one that created the church. And also the church, this is an obvious one, but the church belongs to Jesus. It's not my church. It's not Andrew's church. It is your church, but it's not your church. It's his church. And we as a leadership want to go to the head and say, what do you want for your church here? Let's face it, if he's not building this church, we're stuffed before we started. But he is. It's his church. And that makes it kind of exciting. If you look at the first three chapters of Revelation, Jesus speaks to the seven churches And as it was, it kept, you know, to be honest, that was the one thing that I had nearly forgotten to mention this morning, but it just kept coming back to me. And as I looked at the three chapters, what he says over and over again is, I know. He talks to the churches and says, I know that you do this. I know that you do that, but also you're doing this, but I know. So he knows us. He knows what's happening in this church. There are things that he knows that we need to do. There are things that he is absolutely delighted in, and he knows where he wants to take us. So it is his church. Let me read Romans 8, 14 to 16. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear. Again, rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we're children, then we're heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. This is the Father's house. It's the Father's house because the Father's here. The Son's here, the Son's in the Father, the Father's in the Son. Now, the Lord is the Spirit. Remember the analogy about the mortgage? Whose house is it? It's Claire's house. It's my house. It's our house. It is Anna and Isaac's house. It's their house. It's the Father's house because the Father's here. And we gather together. um, We worship. Psalm 22, verse 3 God inhabits the praises of his people. We as a people, when we worship, he comes. Because we belong to God and the Holy Spirit that he is in us, we are part of the body of Christ. We're part of the church and we need to and we must gather together and we need to not give up the habit of gathering together. So as a church, we come together to work together, to worship together, to partner together so that we can be led to maturity and attached to the body so that the church um, can be Christ in the world. So you think about your knee. So when I was on holiday, I opened the car door. It smacked clean into my kneecap. I have never done that before. And I remember we were sitting doing, uh, what was it, uh, painting models in a wee craft shop. And I said to Claire, it's the total wist that I am. My knee's really, really sore, love. And I was starting to get a wee bit, what have I done to my knee? Have I shattered my kneecap? Drama, drama. It was all all right within a couple of days. But since I've been back at work, it's just, there's something not quite right about it. It's just my kneecap but I'm thinking about it all the time at work. I was just standing when I was doing the, f- we in work have to stand and take pictures as people come in and then also check tickets. So two hours were standing yesterday and I was like, I really noticed my It's just not quite right. Oh, just really noticing. Oh, it's not quite right. So we come here to be our part of the body in healthiness and wholeness. And we miss the fact that we are part of a whole. Therefore, if there are issues that we have, that I have, it affects everybody. You think about whenever you have a, a ragnail. Tell me, do you notice that one? Or the smallest paper cut? The toadiest paper cut? I don't know, but it seems to be the most irritating and painful thing in the world. You're like, this cannot be as sore as it actually is. I have ripped open my body and it has not ached as much as this millimeter slice that happened with paper. So we've got to get a vision that actually our wholeness our own personal journeys are such an important part of what it means to be the body of Christ. Here, in the wider context as well, Jesus is coming back for a bride that is spotless. And I think Andrew said this last week, he's not coming back anytime soon. But we want to be about the business of letting ourselves be led and brought to maturity. We are individual letters that form words that create sentences that bear testimony to Jesus Christ in the earth. Let me say that again. You and I are individual letters that form words that create sentences that bear testimony to Jesus Christ in the earth. And I'm going to touch on this in a second, but we are not a letter on our own. We become who we are when we take our part as part of the whole. Bill Heibels, who's the pastor, senior pastor of Willow Creek, they have twenty four thousand in attendance. Twenty-four thousand. He said that the local church is the hope of the world. Now we're small here at the minute, but we are the hope of the world. And we need to get a handle on that. Jesus said that we're the light of the world. We are. We're the hope of the world. And because we're one doesn't mean that we have to be the same. You all stare blankly at me? Of course not. You know that famous uh, passage that says, uh, well, I was going to actually have it here, but it expands in a wee second. But it talks about, you know, the finger can't say to the hand and the eye can't say to the foot. And, we're all one body, but we're all significantly different. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 to 4, and then verse 27. Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. So, for we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. And in marriage how many halves does it take to make a whole? It takes none. It takes two whole people to create one marriage. Well, you complete me. I don't want you then. Till you can stand and say With me and God, I'm complete in and of myself. It takes wholeness to complete the whole. Does that make sense? Words are made up of consonants and vowels. They're all different. Stick all the same together, doesn't quite work. Mix them up, put them in the right order, makes a word. Put them together, makes a sentence. Put them all together, makes a paragraph. Put together again, you've got a chapter, you've got a book. See where I'm going? Our wholeness, it's back to that whole thing, it's all about me, really. And I was listening to Andrew say, I never thought that I would ever, ever uh, give a message about it's all about me. But until we get that actually it is all about me, then it can't be all about the whole. Sports teams, I know very little about them, but I do know that there are different players that play in different positions and they're still part of the one team. If they don't do that, then they don't get the job done and they can't have the opportunity to win the game. So oneness in the church is not a loss of individuality, but an opportunity, an opportunity. can't even get my words out. Oneness in the church is not a loss of individuality, but an opportunity to minister to one another and discover who we actually are. Our wholeness is not found in pursuit of our wholeness. And the most healthy Christians are those that are ministering. So embracing Jesus' love for us means that we become who we are in him and we can then take up our place in the body. And until you and I let ourselves be loved by God, we cannot really love others. And here at DCB, we are learning to love. And we are not quitting on anybody, so please do not quit on us. If it gets really messy, come and talk to us, but we're not going to quit, are we? Are we in this for the long haul? Some of you are going, I'm not answering that blanking question. I don't know. That's all right. But we're in this for the long haul. We're not going to quit on you. So just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. And the church is God's ordained place for us to become mature in who we really are in him. Have you ever heard of a guy, Soren Kierkegaard? He was around the 18th century and was a theologian. He said, now with God's help, I shall become myself. Let me read Ephesians four eleven to 16. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers Hello. to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of God. As each part does its work. So as we mature, as we become who we are, as you become who you are, I get to become more who I am. We will step into greater and greater maturity. As you learn to love, I'm going to learn what it means to be love. And I'm going to learn about experiencing love as we experience his love altogether. As we lose our me, we will find our us. And actually, as we find our us, we find our me that's not ridiculous? So as we lose sight of what it is that we need or what it is that we want, as we learn to live and serve and minister, then we start to have vision for us together and you become more important than me. And as that happens, then I understand and become who I'm supposed to be, ridiculous as it really is. There are no lone gunmen in the church and we have all met them. But God and I will work it out. That's all I need. Have you heard that before? Well, I I really, you know, I I don't do church, or I I don't want to be part of that, or, you know, I have a problem with this or that, or, no, I don't do that. There are no lone gunmen in the church. That's not what the Bible says. It's just not, and actually hit me like a ton of bricks this morning as I read it. Christ himself gave the apostles, prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. So you can actually take from that that if you aren't yielded to leadership and aren't willing to have input from leadership, then actually you're not going to be everything that you need to be. And as frustrating as we may be, as difficult as it may be, That is exactly what God has designed. God uses people to mature his people. God uses people to mature his people. As I read that this morning, I thought, my goodness. Actually saying that, no, 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 God and I will just work this out is totally, totally unbiblical. It is a lie. And what it will do is it will mean that you just stay off over there and eventually over time, you'll start to just twist and have different philosophies and thoughts and it'll all just become very, very, very subjective. As we stay in relationship together, yielded to, to leadership, yielded to his leadership, then we begin to become who we're, we're supposed to be. Nathan, would you, guys, would you guys come up? The last thing that I want to say is that going to church is a habit worth forming. Hebrews ten twenty four to 25, and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Can I ask, do you come to church with that thought in mind? Do you come thinking... What can I do today? How can I be used today to encourage or to spur on or go, you can do this. You've got this. Well done. I want to say thank you to you all for the time that you take to come to say whenever you say thank you or you did this or that was great. You've no idea what that does for me. It's not a plea for neediness to do that. Please hear me. But thank you so much when you do, when you spur me on. We all want to come together to be here to go, great job. I saw you do this. I was thinking about you. Do you know, I actually had this thought. I was for you and this happened and I thought this you're really really good at that do you know actually when you said that you hurt me that's as much a part of it as any bit but we come here to spur each other on and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds not giving up meeting together remember we're not quitting on anybody as it says here as some are in the habit of doing but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching So I need you in the right sense and you need me in the right sense and we need each other. What happens to coal when it's in the fire? It gets hotter and hotter and hotter and becomes the open fire and everybody gets warm. We can all toast marshmallows and have glorious soda bread together. You take that bit of coal out of the fire, it's going to stay red hot for a few minutes, maybe at the most. After that, it's just going to turn back to worse than its usual state. So stay in the fire. Keep coming and don't give up because he's here so can we stand together we want to embrace the truth that where two or three three are gathered together that he is here so let's live in the truth of that if you're going I don't know I don't really feel that this morning let's park that feeling and step into the truth Jesus Christ because there are two or more gathered together in his name he is here and as always, when there's a message, I'm going to ask you to respond. So here's some uh, questions to help you do that. Do you want to know the love of the Father in the Father's house? Do you need that this morning? Do you want to be ruined again? Do you desire to mature and to become all that you were created to be? I'm going to throw in uh, a, a one that I hadn't prepared this morning. Do you realize this morning that really you find yourself to be quite resistant when it comes to leadership. And that uh, comment about the biblical truth of God uses his leaders really pokes at you. If that's you this morning and you want to step over that and die to that and go, okay, okay, I'm going to yield myself. If that's you, then please respond. Or do you want to play your part in Jesus' body, the church? Please come and join me now. We're going to worship for a time and then we're going to minister to you. Holy Spirit, we ask you to come and increase your presence here. You said in Luke 11 that if we asked you for more, that you would give it, that you're a good father. So come, Holy Spirit. We ask now that you would increase as we worship you. So come, Lord.